Well, hey, friends, what a great day it is today. My name's Ethan. I'm so glad you're here today. Yes, I agree. Hey, we're rocking the house today, man. Yeah, the weather is gorgeous. We're kicking off a new series. National Day of Prayer is this Thursday. Be here right for that, or you can do that um, online through YouTube Live. Dinner for Eight is kicking off. I don't have time to tell you about it, but it's awesome, so find it out about it because it's super cool. I'll be there. It's going to be great. And did you see that butterfly? Can we see that butterfly one more time? That was awesome. I was not prepared for the butterfly. Can you make it move? It was moving earlier. Oh, oh, look at that. There it goes. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's amazing. And it flies from one screen to the other. That's so cool. All right. I think that's just what we're going to do for the next half hour. If, can you put that on a loop? No, I'm just teasing. All right, okay. I love that. That's amazing. Our team's incredible around here. Um, okay, why butterflies? Um, well, because they live for about a month. That's, that's why butterflies. Uh, this thing up here, this is called the painted lady butterfly. And uh, as an egg, it lives for a few days. And then as a caterpillar, it lives for about a week. And then as a chrysalis, another few days. And then it looks like that for a couple of weeks. And it all adds up to just about a month. One month to live. And it's just busy the whole time. And in this series, we're sort of going to learn from the butterflies and just kind of ask this real simple question. How would you live? If you only had one month, if you just found out today for some reason that you had one month to live, what would you do? What would stay the same, you know? And what what would you change? It's a little morbid, I know, I know. In fact, I think this whole series might be a little bit morbid. I'm I'm a little worried about that. Um, but But it has big potential has big potential. Uh, the book this series is based on, I read in 2008 with a, with a study group, and it, it, it caused huge changes in my life. Uh, patterns of my life that are with me today started in that one month where I stopped and asked this question. Every morning woke up and prayed the question, what would I do differently if I knew I only had one month to live? Uh, some practices of prayer that are still with me today started in that month. Because, like, man, if I had one month to live, I'd want to get to know God because I'm going to be with him soon. So I better get to know him. So I started praying. And I apologized some to people that I, that I had done wrong 20-plus years ago. Because if I had one month to live, man, I'd want to get that off my chest. Big changes. Honestly, uh, you know, I've, of course, been working on this material for about three months now uh, as, we've been, as I've been prepping for this series. It's happened to me all over again. Like, I feel like I'm in a very spiritually alive place right now in my life because I've been working on this question. What would I do differently if I only had one month to live? And so if you'll get into it, I, I've got a lot of anticipation for you right now. That maybe God could use this question in your life. Because I think if you knew you had one month to live, I think you would live differently. Uh, you would show love to your children more clearly. And they wouldn't have to struggle to get your attention 
or get your time if you just had one month to live. You would forgive an old grudge. Just let them off the hook. Just forgive that person who did you wrong because what's the point? You only got one month to live, so why bother, right? You'd share your faith with that friend at the gym or at work that you always said you were going to get around to sharing your faith to and you just haven't gotten to it yet. I know there are some things around the house that I would fix up. I'd finally get to some projects around the house if I knew I had one month to live because I just would want to make sure that that stuff wasn't still something Betsy had to deal with or the boys had to deal with. I'd want to make sure I got it done this month if I just had one month to live. Maybe you'd get your finances in order. Overall, here's what I think. I think if you found out you had one month to live, you would suddenly have urgency in your life. Urgency is interesting. Some people live with lots of urgency all the time. Like it's just a regular feature of their life. And some people rarely feel a sense of urgency. But whether you feel it a lot or you feel it a little, when a sense of urgency comes on our life, it changes how we live. Now, maybe we panic. That's not good. I hope you don't panic for the next 30 days. But in the best cases, a sense of urgency, it can give energy to the tired. I remember as a boy, I was always, no matter what else had happened, I was always too tired to clean my room. You know, it didn't matter. I had energy to go swimming and climb mountains and ride my bike. But when it came time to clean my room, I was exhausted until I heard my mom's footsteps come down the hall. And suddenly I had the energy. Urgency gives us energy. Urgency gives focus to the distracted, right? Some of you students, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's too much going on to write that paper or study for that test a week out, three days out. But the night before it's due, suddenly you are focused. You are on it. Nothing gives us focus like the urgency of a looming due date. Urgency uh, turns complacent people into committed people. We talked last week about the three chairs, right? And, and, and we had the, that stuffed chair with the, the footstool thing. And, and John talked about that complacent spot in life and how comfortable it was. And complacency is comfortable until we add in urgency. And suddenly, there was plenty of time until there wasn't. Moments of urgency can sneak up on us, right? You've had this happen where you find yourself saying, I thought we had more time. I thought we had lots of time. And then suddenly, things are urgent. Moments of urgency can also arrive right on schedule. Uh, I feel like I'm living in a moment of urgency right now. My youngest graduates from high school in one month. He, graduate, he, he, go, he leaves for college in four months. The, the urgency of that relationship has arrived for me, and it has arrived right on schedule. Uh, you know, I've known for years that this would be an urgent season in my life. If you're like me, I'm sort of a procrastinator. I kind of count on um, 
seasons of urgency to get some things done. I don't know if you, you're like this too, but I, I, I do this. Uh, I, I'm, I did some research just looking back through some old notes. In the last 20 years, the earliest I have ever filed my taxes is April 14th. Um, so, so I clearly depend on a little bit of urgency uh, to get my taxes done. And if you're like me, you know, when April 15th falls on a holiday and you're like, what? We have three extra days? I used every one of them this year. Absolutely, I did. Uh, I depend I sometimes depend on urgency to get my sermon done. You know, I, you know Friday, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put it off. But by Saturday night, I'll find the urgency to get it done, right? You know, definitely when I was in school, uh, I, I, I turned in a lot of papers within five minutes of a due date. That was my sweet spot. Five minutes before it's due, turn in that paper. But the main thing I want you to know about urgency is that some of us, some of you, maybe you, need urgency right now. You actually could benefit from, and God's Spirit wants for you, a season of urgency to give energy where you are tired, to give focus where you are distracted, to give commitment where you are complacent. Here's how you know you need some urgency in your life. Because two years ago, a neighbor moved in down the street, and you said, we need to go build a relationship with them. But because you could do it anytime, and you thought you had all the time, you lost track of time, now it feels like you've run out of time, and soon they'll move, and there'll be no more time. Here's how you know you need a sense of urgency because for weeks, for months, you've been saying, I need to take my wife out on a date. I need to show some love to my husband. But because you could do it anytime and you thought you had all the time, you never found the time. And sometimes we run out of time. Some of you need a season of urgency right now because you've been saying, I need to reconnect with my kids. I need to give them my undivided attention. But because you could do it any time and you thought you had all the time, you having trouble finding the time. Maybe you need urgency because you keep saying, I want to pray for the lost or I want to find a group of Christian friends where I can connect and be loved but you're just sure you're going to get on it next week. And next week turns into next month. Well, I'm just curious, what would you do if you just had one month to live? Would you find the urgency to do what you already know you need to do? I, I just think, I, I, here's what I think. I think you would do things differently if you knew that you were running out of time. I know I would. Every time God's Spirit makes me aware of the fact that I am running out of time, I change my life, and then I forget, and then God's Spirit reminds me, and I think the same is true for you. I think you would live differently if you had the kind of spiritual urgency that comes from knowing you're running out of time, and of course, you are running out of time, like, like we all are. That's the way it works. And that's what this series is all about. 
It's about asking God to give us a sense of urgency, not panic, but urgency rooted in this really simple question, what would you do differently if you had one month to live? How would it sharpen your priorities, motivate you to action, inspire forgiveness, and give focus to your life? The Bible teaches us to have this kind of perspective, this kind of sense of the temporariness of life that motivates us into action. I love Psalm 90. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. It starts out, God, you are eternal. You do have all the time in the world. But you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night But you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. God, you are super eternal. And we are super temporary. A little later in the psalm, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. But the best of them are trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the awe that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Boy, that, boy, that's kind of the verse for today. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So many things that God is calling us to do, we don't do because we think we've got all the time in the world. And because we have all the time, we don't take any time until we're out of time. And the psalmist says wisdom comes from recognizing that our days are numbered. To live wisely in the world, we need a deep awareness of the eternal goodness of God and the temporariness and fragility of us. God is eternally good. We are temporary and fragile. I have this thought in my head as I've been working on this and just trying to live this out the last The last few months, it just feels like this continual word from God's spirit that I might have enough urgency to act and enough trust to hope. And I think God's spirit wants that from you. Enough urgency to act. Because you are temporary. Your time is running out. You don't have as much time as you think. If you don't get to it now, if you don't get to it soon, it might never get done. It's time to get motivated to action. Enough urgency to act. But enough trust to hope. Because God is eternal. God is sufficient. God has all the time in the world. God will finish what we only get started. God will complete what we leave incomplete. God will heal what we leave broken. Well, maybe, maybe if you had one month to live, you could, you could be moved by God's Spirit into that place, a place where you have enough urgency to act, enough trust to hope. Jesus teaches this perspective in his teaching. Uh, one of my favorite parables, because it's about a younger brother. I'm a younger brother. Luke chapter 12. 
Uh, a younger brother, we know that because uh, what he asks, uh, a younger brother comes and says, someone in the crowd says to him, teacher, tell my brother, that's how he knows he's a younger brother because he's telling, tell my older brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to him, you watch out. You be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The certain ground of a rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said to himself, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very life, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich. Toward God. See, this guy, he's half right, right? He's right when he says he's got plenty of grain. He's just wrong when he thinks he's got plenty of time. The resource that he should be monitoring isn't his grain, it's his hours, it's his days. It's his minutes. Think how differently he would have used that last day if he'd known it was his last day. Think how differently he would have used his last month if he'd known it was his last month. And then think about your month, this month. How would you live it differently if it was your last one? Jesus, in this parable, has a special word for people who think they'll never run out of time. He says, you fool. That's his special word for people who think they'll never run out of time. You fool. You act like you've got all the time in the world. But you have no idea how many days you have left. I've mentioned a couple times that prepping this series has been a really good kind of personal, spiritual kind of reconnection for me. And several times in my prayers the last couple months, I have heard the loving voice of Jesus say, Ethan, you fool. You keep acting like you have all the time in the world. And you don't. Your kids aren't going to be home forever. You can't just keep putting off saying you're sorry. You can't just ignore that person that you, you feel like you've got a connection with and eventually you want to invite them out to breakfast so you can share the gospel with them, but you'll do it next month. I tell you, the loving voice of Jesus just keeps saying to me the last three months, Ethan, you fool. You live like you have all the time, so you waste your time and lose track of time. But one day you'll run out of time, and you'll wonder, what did I do with all the time? And so I'll tell you what I'm doing the next month. 
I'm going to recapture some spiritual urgency for my life. I'm going to pray and love and study and live like I've just got one month. And that's what I want for you as well. I mean, I just really, here's what I want to happen in your spiritual life. I want you today and over the next month, I want you to hear the loving voice of Jesus say to your spirit, you fool. Don't act like you got all this time. And that may not feel great when you hear Jesus say it, but I believe it would be a real gift to some of us, wouldn't it? It's a real gift to some of us to, to get a sense of spiritual urgency. God wants you in your life to have enough urgency to act and enough trust to hope. Here's the way the book of James puts it. See, this, this theme of needing urgency in our lives to live the kind of lives we want to have, it's all throughout Scripture. One of the most important leaders in the early church, this guy named James, and he wrote this super practical book. And in the fourth chapter, he writes this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You ought to say... If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Verse 17 there confused me for a long time. Uh, not the meaning of the verse, uh, but the grammatical construction of it. Can we put that up on the screen just for a second? I want people to see that there. Verse 17 there. Uh, because the, the way the grammar of that verse is structured is it seems like it's referring back to the paragraph we just read. But I always sort of wondered, what's the connection, right? What's the connection to this teaching about you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, don't assume you've got all the time in the world, and verse 17, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. You know, they seem like different topics, but the grammar is constructed as if, if one flows into the other. Well, I think it's because... There are a handful of reasons that could happen, right? There are a handful of reasons you could know the good thing to do and not do it. Uh, I mean, again, I, I, I sin in lots of variety of ways, so I can just tell you from my own personal experience, I, I could know the good thing to do and not do it because I'm afraid. I could know the good thing to do and not do it because I'm in rebellion against God. I could know the good thing and not do it because I am cruel, and I've done all those things. But one of the main reasons I know the good I ought to do and don't do it is because I say I'm going to do it tomorrow. That's what I do. I say, oh, yeah, that's obviously a good thing, and I'm totally going to do it. I'm just going to do it later. 
See, the connection between James 4, 13 through 16 and James 4, 17, which is what you're looking on there, is that when we assume that we have tomorrow and the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow and the next tomorrow, we can fall into a pattern of knowing the good we ought to do and not doing it because we pretend we have all the time in the world and since we have all the time, we don't take the time or find the time until we've run out of time. And James says, if you know the good you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that's a sin. The kind of complacency that many of us live in, rooted in an illusion about time, is a sin, James said. On the contrary, what does God's Spirit want for you? God's Spirit wants for you to have a healthy sense of urgency. We don't know how much time we'll get. I knew a fellow once just one of the sweetest, sweetest people you would ever want to meet. Just amazing. And he had this one particularly weird habit. Um, uh, is that if he was involved in a tense conversation, uh, and, and he was a leader in a church, and so he got in a lot of tense conversations. You know, people were upset with him about stuff. It didn't matter how the conversation went and how bad it went. The last thing he would always do is give that person a blessing. Like, they could be yelling at him, and last thing, give that person a blessing. And I, I, I heard him talk one time about this habit, because many people had observed this habit, and somebody asked him, and they said, why do you do that? It's sometimes actually a little awkward, to be honest. Like, they're mad at you, and you can't just let it go. you got to end with a blessing. Like, what's up with that? And he said, I realized one day when I was doing a funeral that it's likely that at my funeral they'll say what my last words were. And I just want to make sure that my last words are words of blessing. I want to make sure my last words can be quoted at a funeral. So in every conversation, every time with every person, I make sure the last thing out of my mouth is a blessing. That is somebody who had paid attention to James 4. He didn't know how much time he had left. And so he, now he lived a long time. I think he was, he was 89, 90-something when he passed away. I went to his funeral. But for 40 years before that, he'd been making sure his last words were a blessing. They quoted his last words at his funeral. You want to know what they were? They were a blessing. He did it. His last words were a blessing. And that's what this series is about. This series is an invitation to an interaction with God where you go to God and say, God, I want spiritual urgency. I want to live like I'm running out of time so I don't waste my time or lose track of my time, but so that I make the most of my time. I'm going to challenge you to pray some prayers where you just open yourself up to Jesus and say, Jesus, if what I need to hear from you today is your loving voice, say, you fool. Why do you keep acting like you got all the time in the world? That you're ready to hear it. Because for some of you, that could be the most loving thing you need to hear. Because you got good stuff you've been putting off for too long because you think you've got all the time. I want to be, this is, a, this is a multi-week process I'm challenging you to be a part of. That's why I'm bold. I think God's going to change you through this. I think this experience is going is to help you and bless you the way it has blessed me already twice. 
And so I'm just bold. I want everybody here to jump all the way in. Uh, what does that look like? I say step one. I, would just, I hope every single person here gets one of these booklets on the way out the door. This is something we wrote in-house and printed in-house. If you're able to make uh, a $5 devotion to offset the printing, I mean, I mean donation to offset the printing cost, that's great. But if not, we absolutely want everyone to have one. We've got daily devotions in here. We've got group study guides in here. Everything you need to participate in this is in one package. So grab one of these on the way out the door. Like I say, if you can subsidize printing costs, great. But the main thing is you grab one on the way out the door. There is also, I talked about that book that I read in 2008. We have a bunch of copies of that. If you're like a super reader and you want to also get a copy of the book, we'd love for you to get one of these. They're $10. But the thing you got to have is this, okay? The second challenge I want to tell you is we want you in a group. A lot of our existing groups are going to be participating in this. That's super. Uh, some of them aren't because they already had something going on. That's super too. But we want everybody to be in a one-month-to-live group. We've got some that are super easy to get plugged into. Sundays, 1115, room 104, uh, launches today. Uh, you can just, you know, go get some breakfast, come back for that. Um, we got a Wednesday group, 9 a.m. for moms of all ages. Get there for that. Child care has got child care going on for that. And then Wednesday evening in the CLC, we've got groups for men, women, co-ed, young adult, not so young adult, all over the place. Okay? Um, so all kinds of groups on Wednesday night down in the other corner of the building. But I want you all in for this. I really, really believe that some of the best blessing God has in your life you are missing right now because you are putting off obedience. And the reason you're putting off obedience is just because you think you've got more time. You just think you've got more time and, and you don't know that you do. And the cool thing is, even if you do, right? Like I think about my friend who, who for 30 years gave a blessing just in case he died. Like, what's the downside of that, right? Right? He spent 30 years blessing people. That's the great thing about this. You live like you have one month to live. So if you have one month to live, you're ready. And if you don't, if you have decades to live, you'll live it one month at a time and it'll be the coolest, bestest, awesomest life ever. I want you, I want you to do something with me, okay? Like I said, this is a spiritual conversation, so we need to begin it that way. Um, Nathan, come on out here and help me. Um, and we're just going to take a minute. We're just going to take a minute, minute and, uh, and be honest with God. We're just going to pray together, and I'm going to lead you through it, and, and I just want you to have a conversation with God, if you would. Um, maybe, maybe we just enter a space of prayer, and let's just, let's just be talking to God. God, we just come to you right now because we want to, we want to be honest with you. Right now, some of us, God, we already know. We know some places where we have lost our spiritual urgency. We have lost our spiritual urgency. And we just confess that to you right now, God. We just confess that to you. There is some good... God, that we know to do and are leaving undone because we think we'll just do it next month or next year. We'll get around to it. We'll get around to, to spending the time with our spouse that they need. 
We'll get around to speaking that word of love to our kids. We'll get around to sharing our faith. And someday down the road, God, we're going to get connected with some Christian brothers and sisters that can really walk with us through life. And we're definitely going to do it, but we'll do it later. God, so we just confess to you that we have been living like we will never run out of time. And we invite, we just really, it feels risky, God, but we invite the spirit of Jesus to just say to us, you fool. How do you not know that this very night your life might be demanded of you? And then all the time you've wasted. God, we just confess this is our story. We are those who need spiritual urgency. And now, God, we just lay our lives before you and we just invite you to reveal, even as we begin this journey, your spirit can just speak with some clarity. What are the things that we just already know would change if, if we knew our time was short? If it was one month, is there someone we would forgive? Is there someone we would say, I love you too? Is there a, a task we've been putting off for ages that if the time was short, we would just get it done? Because it needs to be done. Just, just take a minute and be honest before God. What would change if you knew you had one month to live? Are you spending too much time at work and not enough time on love? Too much time on politics and not much enough time on gospel. What would change if you had one month to live? And God, this is just our prayer that, that we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait till we do have one month to live. We want to, we want to change today. We want to live like we have one month to live, whether we've got one month or one year or decades to come. So that when that day comes, we have lived the priorities you have for us. This is our prayer, God. Gracious God, we come to you in prayer right now. We ask that you would use this series and this study and this book and the groups and the week we're going to spend together as a spiritual journey for us. We need to be transformed. We pray for spiritual urgency, God. And we are believing that as we allow your spirit to shape us, we will, be, we will be called into greater faithfulness to you. And from that, we will have a testimony of your goodness. We will have a, have a testimony of your blessing. That is what we want. Right now, God, right now, by your spirit, help us to live with the urgency to act and the trust to hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I'm excited for this next month and what God's going to do in it. Right now, let's stand and worship God. 
Let's sing our testimony of God's faithfulness to us. If you need to come talk to me, I'll be down front. We got prayer team down here. We'd love to pray for you if you need that today. Blessings on you. Let's worship together.